Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Tuesday morning, September the 14th, 2021. It is 702. You are listening live here on the Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Heard every morning here from 7 to 9 on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN, Tucson. And a, uh, quite a jam-packed show we got for you today as uh, we will continue to talk some football reactions from over the weekend, Saturday, Sunday, and of course, yes, that wild affair that occurred last night on Monday Night Football, both on the field and off the field, as uh, the Manning brothers had their first broadcast or telecast uh, the uh, the watching the football with the Mannings or whatever they were calling it um, I'll have some thoughts on that I didn't get to watch a whole lot of it but I did get to see some of it um, I will say this you know just right off the bat what I saw I did like and uh, it was it was a, a notion that I wasn't too keen on but obviously anytime you involve the Mannings in something and and uh, people who are galaxies more intelligent and more insightful into the world of football than I am, uh, it's always going to breed uh, something interesting for me at least. Uh, I thought uh, there was a lot of stuff to glean from that, and I thought it was enjoyable. But we'll get into that coming up uh, a little bit later on when we get into NFL action. Coming up uh, throughout the show today, once again, you will have your opportunity to register your chance to win my season tickets for the NAU game this Saturday night, for the football game this Saturday night at Arizona Stadium. Kickoff is at 7.07 p.m. Be listening for your cue to text. Okay, We have our text to win contest continuing today. You'll have an opportunity in the 7 o'clock hour and in the 8 o'clock hour to just simply text your uh, entry in, and then uh, we'll, have, we'll draw the entries after they've all been comprised through the end of Thursday, and we'll announce our winners on Friday morning. And then I will just text you your tickets right to your phone. And then you can just uh, show your phone at the gate and uh, get right in and enjoy the game this Saturday night. So stay tuned for that. Be listening because it could happen at any time. Uh, at any time I could give you that text, uh, the uh, cue to text, and uh, your chance to win those tickets as well. Jed Fish had his press conference yesterday. We will certainly discuss that. But where we will begin is... Big news yesterday in the world of college football, specifically here in the Pac-12 South, as USC decided to part ways with head coach Clay Helton after a six-plus year stint, essentially, at USC. Took over as the interim coach for Steve Sarkeesian uh, in October of 2015. And, you know, I mean, obviously had some success that year. Uh, You know, Sark was fired after they had lost to Washington, you know they were Washington was not a uh, not a ranked team at the time they they weren't very good to be honest with you 2015 they were just kind of starting to get their come up and uh, um, after being really down in the early 2010s they lose at home to an unranked team uh, in Washington Sark gets fired a couple days later and then uh, and then Clay Helton assumes the position he was the co uh, co head coach essentially and the offensive coordinator there along with uh, T Martin at the time. And uh, he ascended to the, the head coaching job. And then they had a pretty successful season. They lose to Notre Dame. That was a tough spot for him to open up um, because they played. It was, I think it was a Friday night game or a Thursday night game, I think it was, actually, that they lose to Washington. Uh, that game was on ESPN, I remember. And um, 
yeah, it was a, it was a Thursday night game because they played again nine days later when they played Notre Dame on a Saturday. Had to travel to Notre Dame, tough spot for uh, for anybody to take over a new job. They got beat, but then they come back home. They were able to beat Utah. They went on a little win streak. They beat Cal. They beat Arizona in a close game. Um, they went to Colorado, won that game. They got smacked around by Oregon. Then they beat UCLA, and they beat UCLA soundly. Uh, so they beat their rivals, and UCLA was ranked that year too. Um, so, you know, uh, some nice wins for Clay Helton in his first year. Then they uh, they lose to uh, Stanford at the end of the season, got big, uh, beat big, and then lose to uh, Wisconsin in the Holiday Bowl. Um, that was a really, really close game, if I remember correctly. But um, so, you know, that was Clay Helton's first year. Then they decided to go ahead and give him the job. And from there, things did not go well. Uh, basically, records started declining. If you look, starting the 2016 season, they were 10-3, and which is obviously it's respectable. They, uh, they finished that season, the 2016 season, with a big, uh, a, a huge win over Notre Dame. They beat them 45-27. They beat UCLA like a drum that year again. Um, I think they won seven straight or eight straight to finish that season. 2016, they go to the Rose Bowl. They one of the most exciting Rose Bowl games I can remember. Beat Penn State 52 to 49, and all is well in uh, in Southern California. Next season, they come back. 2017, they finish the season 11 to three. We get wins over Texas. Uh, they beat um, uh, you know Arizona was ranked at the time when they played them in 2017. Arizona was the uh, number 23 ranked team in the country. Uh, they beat they beat Arizona by a couple of touchdowns. They beat UCLA again. Then they go to the Cotton Bowl to play Ohio State and get just absolutely waxed in that game, uh, in the Cotton Bowl against Ohio State, and end up losing that one. And then 2018 hit. 2018 was a disaster. Only five wins, followed by eight wins in 2019. Last year, whatever, COVID year, and this year, just things just not going well. They're one and one, an embarrassing loss. It was 42 to was it 42-14 at one point in that game to Stanford? They had to score a couple touchdowns late to make it not even respectable. I mean, it was just just wasn't even close. So, aside from the aside from the records, okay, look, you know, they there was the embarrassing performance against Stanford. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. Ironically, Helton's you know first game um, at USC was a a blowout loss to uh, to Stanford. And then his last game was a blowout loss to Stanford. Now, make no mistakes about it. This was not about his record. He was 46-24 and 24 at USC, which in most cases would be considered successful. He's 22 games over 500. But it was about what USC football had ultimately become under Clay Helton. And I think a lot of us would agree with you. A lot of you would agree with me on this. They're soft. That is a soft football team. That is a soft football program. They didn't have a whole lot of accountability in that program uh, over the last several years, and it showed. Um, they they just they didn't look like the USC that you remember, or that or that uh, more specifically the alumni and the letter winners there at USC remember. Say what you will, but there's a very proud tradition at USC. They've won seven AP national titles, seven Heisman Trophy winners there. And Clay Helton's Trojans just simply didn't measure up. USC used to be a team that would rise to the occasion, play its best in big games. I mean, we all grew up watching SC football. It's like, man, they're like a freight train. And in the big games, 
was when they rose to the occasion and they would always seem to play their best for those games. You know, we watch under under the, the Pete Carroll administration and such, you know, the, while he was there, obviously huge success for them there, and uh, things had been declining a little bit ever since. Under Helton, they were 9-2 and two, as a head coach. They were 9-2 and two against ranked opponents. Since he was, while he was there, they were 12-16 and 16 against ranked opponents, whether he was the, the interim or the OC. He was only 8-7 and seven versus their rivals, Stanford, Notre Dame, UCLA. Okay, so one, one game over 500 against their rivals. And this is maybe the, maybe the biggest thing of them all. They never finished a season ranked higher than their preseason ranking under Clay Helton. Let me say that again. They never finished a season ranked higher than they were in the preseason. Now, again, I will say this until I'm blue in the face. I hate preseason rankings. I think they're pointless. I think they're stupid. I think they're worthless. However, uh, if a if a group of media members believe you to be X Y Z good because of your recruiting uh, your, your recruiting class because of the the talent that you have uh, you know returning things like that your record from last year your strength of schedule this year all that kind of stuff they rank you accordingly according to their you know visions and you underachieve you you finish under that then you have essentially underachieved you have you have depleted what everything that you started with to be you know to begin that season you know we we harp on on Arizona State all the time because I remember there was a, a report that came out, I think it was 2017 by Sports Illustrated, and it was like college football's most disappointing programs. And ASU was number one on their list because according to the data that they had compiled, ASU had finished below their preseason ranking more than any other team in the country over a 25-year span and the difference in where they finished. So, like, if they were preseason number 12 and they finished 30, that's a minus 18, okay? If they were preseason ranked 10 and they finished 15, that's a minus 5, okay? So that's how they kind of did it. And they, they went through and they, they looked at every all the, basically all the top programs uh, in the country, all the power programs and some of the non-powers, non-power, uh, essentially, like Boise State's and such. And they said that, that Arizona State's numbers were just off the charts as far as disappointing. Like, their preseason rankings were – so much higher than the way that they ended their season. And, you know, we harp on that and we kind of laugh at it, um, and rightfully so. But you can't say, you know, one thing about one team and then not say it about another. It's important to know that when you watched USC play, that they were underwhelming. For the, for the large part of the last six-plus seasons, I think USC was an underwhelming product on the field. I remember – going to Arizona Stadium and let's see I'm trying to remember what year it was I want to say like 2008 2007 something like that for the game we, we you know we had hosted we hosted USC that year and they were I mean they were just they were obviously they were really really good they were a top five ranked team in the country they were still a team that was national prominence and I remember standing on the sideline watching them play and not only were they just bigger and blindingly faster than Arizona, and Arizona had a uh, a pretty good team, uh, you know, I mean, a, a capable team at least, they just it, it, they were on a different planet than Arizona was. I mean, it wasn't even close 
just looking at the guys, you know, just getting off the bus, right? The guy looked great getting off the bus. But you put them on the field, and they're running around, and guys are, you know, 6'3", 245 pounds, and they're running four fives, and they're just like, what is going on here? Like, well, who are these guys? I mean, it looked look like a pro football team out there. And then you look at USC today, you stand on the sideline, you're like, they don't look much different than we do. They don't look much faster. They certainly don't look any tougher than we do. There have been plenty of times over the last several years where I watched U of A play basically man-to-man against USC, which is something that would very rarely, rarely happen over the last, I don't know, four decades. Arizona was able to match their toughness and match their intensity. That's why Clay Helton has been fired. Not because of his underwhelming record. People think that, oh, it's too soon. He's still 22 games over 500. What did he ever, you know, what did he do that was wrong? And he he was handed a bad back. No, 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 no. (laughs) I mean, look, Steve Sarkeesian was a drunk. um, You know, he's drunk on the field. And there was a lot of lack of discipline in that program when Clay Helton took it over. But he experienced his best success in those two seasons following the exit of Steve Sarkeesian. And they never bounced back. He was never I, – I was. it's not that he never put his stamp or never put his, his fingerprints on the program. It's just that his stamp and his fingerprints were that of a soft program lacking in, in direction and leadership. A lot of people like Clay Helton from every – from every person that I've ever talked to about Clay Helton, whether it be coaches, people that work in you know in the Pac-12 or in the, in the Pac-12 offices that have worked with him, um, you hear former players talk about him. Everybody likes the guy. He's a likable guy, but just not right guy for the job at USC. You know, Mike Bond, the athletic director, sent a very direct message. Um, in that, you know, in, in his, essentially his firing of Clay Helton. And he said, um, let me see if I can find the quote here. He basically said that, you know, the, the, the wording in his statement was, I want to be exceptionally clear. Here it is. I want to be exceptionally clear. Our university and its leadership are committed to winning national championships and returning USC football to glory. That is not just lip service from an athletic director that is trying to stay positive and say the right things. Okay? Not for nothing, but when you hear most athletic directors talking, they're like, we're here to win national championships. You're like, uh, okay, whatever. So just just keep, uh, keep singing that company line there, buddy. At USC, they really mean that. Like, it's, like it means something to them. Bond's statement also covered uh, the bases, noting that the Trojans have dumped a ton amount of resources into that program. He said, quote, the added resources carried significant increased expectations for our team's performance, and it is already evident that despite these enhancements, those expectations would not be met without a change in leadership. Spent a ton of money at USC. They they do have aging, uh, they do have some aging facilities there. They're no longer, they're not even the best facilities in my opinion, the, in the Pac-12 South, let alone in the Pac-12 or anywhere near the top facilities in the country. USC is a beautiful campus uh, surrounded by a bunch of trash, but it is a beautiful campus. And they do have very, very nice facilities there. 
but you're USC. You can't have very, very nice. You have to have top five facilities. You have to have groundbreaking uh, technology. You have to have all the things that set USC apart in the 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s that made USC the national power that it was at the time, and they, they, they still hearken back to. I understand that a lot of people feel, and I, you know, read, I read the comments yesterday. I read a bunch of articles yesterday and this morning. People talking about it's too early. This isn't 1975 anymore. You can't just expect to roll the ball out at USC and win football games. Well, actually, you can. <laughs> You're USC. See, in the world of college sports, college football, basketball, whatever have you, tradition, history, legacy means a lot. It means a hell of a lot more than it does at the professional ranks where you can go worst to first, first to worst, year to year, back and forth like a, like a yo-yo. Happens all the time. Teams bounce up and down all the time in the pros because it's just a different ball game. It's, not, it's, it's apples and oranges. In college, you build a legacy. You build a tradition. And you have to uphold that legacy and those traditions. And if you're not, you got to move on because you, can, you cannot go from once great power, one, once hollowed grounds of college football to also ran to a team who is struggling to make 500 every single year in the record books, a team who is, eh, we might finish third in the division this year in the Pac-12 South. Unacceptable at USC. Unacceptable. If, if, if I were a USC alum or a former letter winner, and, and look, <laughs> there are way, way more difficult bases to work with across the country than USC's alumni and letter winner base. Way worse. Those people, in my opinion, have been more supportive of Clay Helton than just about any other major program in this country would be for, uh, for a guy like Clay Helton. They have gone to bat for him. They've even kept quiet at times when they probably needed to speak up. Saturday was, was the final straw. That was it. An embarrassing loss like that to Stanford, especially after the way Stanford was on display just two weeks ago on the road against, against Kansas State, just getting absolutely blistered out there and not being able to move the ball between the 20s whatsoever until three minutes left in the game when they finally lucked one into the end zone and got a score on the board. Then you come back home and just get boat raced. It wasn't even close. Score was not indicative of how, how runaway of a game that was. Five offensive touchdowns and a defensive touchdown for Stanford. That's unacceptable. You're USC. And I know some of you may be sitting there, oh, you're just hanging on to old times, Jeff. You're hanging on to, to, you know, to, to some old beliefs that UFC, USC is, is, is this great program. They are a great program. They have a ton of tradition. Look at, their, look at their recruiting. They're still one of the top recruiting teams in the country. I think right now their class is 29th, which is really, really bad for USC. Really bad. So, you know, where does, where does USC go from here? I, I'm not surprised. I talked about it yesterday on the show. Like, when I, when I said that when Arizona plays USC, they'll probably be playing against a different head coach. Did I not say that yesterday? I know I did. I guarantee I did. I didn't think they would fire him that day, but I knew it was coming. And you know why? Because I watched the team play. They were soft. They've been soft for the last several years. That's not the same USC that I grew up watching going, my God, they're just bigger, faster, stronger than us, tougher than us. They're nasty. In, in every aspect, we might, we might lose this game by 40. 
but every year lately, as bad as Arizona football has been over the last several years, right? In you know behind closed doors and talking with my buddies, and we're going over the schedule. I'm like, I think USC's ripe for the picking this year, boys. I think we can get them this year. I say it every year because I know they're soft. There's no accountability in that program. Mike Bond had had enough. They finally brought in an athletic director that didn't have, you know, ties to the program, wasn't emotionally tied to the to the program and the past and the history and all that other stuff. And Clay Helton uh, has, has a, a huge outpouring of support yesterday and today on the social medias, and I'm sure he's a great guy. And it's nothing personal against Clay Helton, but he couldn't coach USC to the prominence that they need to be, that they require themselves to be. And I think we should all take a look at this and be like, why, why aren't more programs like this? Why aren't more programs supportive? But, you know, like, hey, let's, let's, let's give you all the resources you can possibly get. We're going we're gonna to funnel a bunch of money into the program. And then when they fail, go, you know what, he's, he's a good guy. He's, he's, he's turning this thing around. We're gonna see we're, eventually, you've got, you got to cut, part, you know, you gotta, you gotta cut ways, you know, part ways with him. You've got to cut bait because the product was awful. In USC standards, according to USC standards, that product was absolutely awful. And it wasn't just about the wins and losses or the way that they won and lost the games. It didn't strike fear in anybody. Years ago, when USC would come to Tucson, it was like, oh, man, USC's in town. This is, this is a big game. This is, it's, this is the big one. Now it's like, man, playing the Trojans today. Should be an interesting game. They'll probably, you know, fumble the ball around a little bit. They'll, you know, they'll, they'll beat us based on their, their talent, but uh, we got a good chance of winning today. Whereas years ago, I was like, I just hope our guys get out of this alive. I'm not kidding. That's how I felt. And I'm not just some, you know, extremist or whatever as, as it comes to, to, to football. So USC parts ways with Clay Helton. Now the question is, who's going to be their next head coach? They named Dante Williams as their interim coach, which basically is a, is a cry to continue to keep the recruits that they have before they all jump ship. We'll keep a close eye on that. We'll come back. We'll talk about who the prospective coaches are uh, at USC. Also, what are the best head coaching jobs in college football? I have my list. It's kind of fluid. It's kind of ever-changing and moving. Like It might even change during this commercial break. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But uh, uh, I do have my list of the, the top five programs. Actually, I have more than top five. But I, I have my list of the best high, uh, head coaching jobs in the country. We'll come back with that in just a little bit. ESPN Tucson invites you to the Sierra Auction live in person. The preview is this Friday, September 17th at 10 a.m. Goes till 4 p.m. You'll find them located at North Highway Drive, 3911 North Highway Drive, right there in Tucson. The, uh, it is a free event. Online registration is available at sierraauction.com. They are open to the public. You do not need a dealer license to attend. And you can start bidding this Saturday online, September 18th at 8 a.m. Get the deals you deserve only at sierraauction.com. Stay with us here. It's the Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. All right, we're talking college football. So let's do this. Let's give you your first chance to win my tickets to this Saturday's game against NAU. We're going to do it right now. I want you to text the word Jeff. Just my first name. No G. I don't, I don't spell it weird like that. Just J-E-F-F. 
Text it to 68683 right now for your chance to win a pair of my tickets to this Saturday's U of A football game taking on the Lumberjacks of NAU at uh, Arizona Stadium. Message and data rates may apply, but uh, do it now. 68683 is the number. Text the keyword Jeff. As the uh, That's the keyword for uh, this little window that we have here for you today. So good luck, and uh, get your name involved in, into, that, uh, into that drawing, and we'll see if we can uh, pick you as a winner coming up for this weekend. Now, USC hire, or they, they, they fire Clay Helton. Who's next? That, that's what everybody wants to know. Who's next? Well, this is where things get a little dicey because Mike Bond, AD at uh, USC, has a difficult road ahead of him as far as Clay Helton's replacement. Okay? There are a lot of names out there, of course, that would be linked to the USC job, but a lot of them are in positions right now where I think a lot of the landscape feels that it's a better job than what USC is currently. You know, I know the name James Franklin has been thrown around there, and James Franklin used the uh, the dream job moniker. You know, the, he used that dream job term when he took the job at Penn State, you know, a traditional Big Ten uh, powerhouse there, of course, and I, I think I, I, I think that that James Franklin would stay at Penn State. I think he's still got some unfinished business, but it's it wouldn't be beyond the realm of of uh, him leaving Penn State to go to you. I would never be surprised when it comes to coaches moving and stuff. I mean, I, I just I've been surprised way too many times over the years, so I refuse to let myself be surprised anymore. Now there may be a, like a surprise hire, like I don't see that coming, or like who is that guy, but. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if James Franklin left Penn State even after saying it was his dream job. Luke Fickle has been a name that people have thrown around. Luke Fickle, currently the head coach at Cincinnati. You know, he's got a program right now that's in the top ten. He's built this program. They are absolutely dominating people right now. And Cincinnati just signed the uh, application to join the Big 12 in two years. So they will be a Power 5 program in two seasons if Luke Fickle can stay there, he's right in the middle of Ohio. I think he's very comfortable there, of course, being at Ohio State from, you know, from his time prior. Uh, it may be a job that he, that he decides to keep. Urban Meyer, had he not taken the Jacksonville Jaguars job, I think would be the overwhelmingly number one candidate for this job. But he just took the Jacksonville job. I mean, granted, again, there's a possibility. I mean, anything's possible. Nick Saban was in uh, in Miami, jumps back into the uh, college ranks, take on uh, take Alabama. Bobby Petrino goes to the NFL. Things didn't work out for him. He jumps right back into college as well. Spurrier, another one. You know, I mean, there's there's been plenty of uh, plenty of guys who have jumped to the NFL, not like what they've seen, get smacked around a little bit, and then come back uh, to the to the college ranks. Urban Meyer's been there for one game, though. <laughs> like, I don't I don't think uh, I don't know. I think that's pretty far fetched. But you never know. And then other names, Billy Napier at Ulala. Does that really blow anybody's skirt up? I don't. I don't know. I mean, he's. I mean, he's obviously a quality coach. He's been tied to a lot of high-profile coaching openings before, but has never taken one. I think he's waiting for the right one to open up. And I'm sure that he would jump at the opportunity to go from Ulala to USC. Just not sure if that's a close enough connection. To, for USC to make to sell to their fans. You know, you look up at Oregon and you got Mario Cristobal up there. Would he leave Oregon to take USC? 
Some people consider that a lateral move. I don't, personally. I think it's close, but I think USC is the better job. And I'll explain that here in just a few moments uh, when I explain, give you essentially what are the best head coaching jobs in the country. Joe Moorhead, offensive coordinator, who called a masterful game at Ohio State over the weekend. But Joe Moorhead's been a head coach. He was a head coach at Mississippi State for like five minutes. (laughs) He was terrible. I mean, not terrible. He played five. He was 500, essentially, 14 and 12, I think, at Mississippi State. So not not great um, and not exactly your head coaching type material. Some people are just destined to be coordinators their entire careers, and that's fine. Some guys, you mean like Bruce Arians, took him forever to get his to get his job, right? Was forever the OC at Pittsburgh, so successful, and everybody's like, oh, he's just an offensive coordinator. He just, he's going to be a coordinator his entire life. And then all of a sudden goes to the NFL, and you're like, wow, this guy can really coach. And I don't think... Steve Sarkeesian or Lane Kiffin are coming back to uh, to Los Angeles. So th- the door kind of right now is wide open, and I don't know if there's a whole lot of sexy names out there, if you will, for USC fans to bring in as their head coach. And, of course, uh, you know, USC fans are, are probably all thinking about, well, who's, you know, who's a former alumni that we could bring in because that's what college fan bases do. What about Keyshawn Johnson? Yeah, totally. Let's bring Keyshawn Johnson and be head coach of the USC Trojans. <laughs> I've seen some stuff, folks seen some stuff out there all right we're going to take a time out when we return what are the best head coaching jobs in college football i have my top five as well as some honorable mentions and i'll explain why they are where they are and some of them may surprise you a little bit that's coming up next you're listening here to the jeff dean show on 1490 am 104.9 fm espn tucson back to the jeff dean show on 1490 am 1049 fm espn tucson Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here, ESPN Tucson, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Talking the the firing of Clay Helton at USC, and we'll continue to talk some more college football. We've got I've got some comments based on uh, what Jed Fish had to say at his press conference yesterday, and also plenty of conversation about NFL still coming up. So stay tuned for that. Here's my list of the best head coaching jobs in college football. Look, a lot of it depends on you know, where you prioritize certain things. Is it just, are you just interested in flat out pay? Like how much can you make? If that's, you know, if that's your bag, then Alabama is your number one job because they pay more than anybody, an astronomical amount more than anybody does in college football. Um, are you a facilities person? Are you somebody who wants the best facilities, top-notch facilities to be able to, to grab those recruits? If that's the case, then, you know, places like Clemson and, and uh, Oregon, um, LSU, you know, those types of places are going to be, you know, your, you know, ranked a lot higher as far as, uh, you know, it, it, the national landscape and stuff. Texas A&M's got some really ridiculous uh, facilities as well. Other things may just be like recruiting hotbeds. Do you want to be in the middle of the of the action? Do you want to be in, you know, Los Angeles or Texas or Florida, South Florida, um, you know, in, in that case where you can get the top talent right in your backyard? If that's the case, then obviously places like USC, UCLA are going to be on your list. You know, all of the big Texas schools, A&M, Texas, you know, Houston. And then, of course, you know, the Miamis and the Floridas and the Florida states uh, of the group. It just all depends on where you kind of, you know, where you put your priorities. Mine are a little bit kind of like, a, I, I would say, a, a, an amalgamation of all of the above, kind of a hodgepodge of all the things that go into a, a great place to have a job as a head coach. And I'm going to start with number five. Number five, USC. 
I think USC still is a top five job in the country. And here's why. They have SoCal recruiting, which is huge. Obviously, we, you know, we've talked about that a bunch here because there are quarterbacks from Los Angeles strewn throughout the college football landscape and a ton of other players from Southern California, specifically from Southern California, all out uh, you know, across the country performing and at a very high level, guys that are up for Heisman trophies. It's just like California, Cal- California, 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 California. It's just the list is ridiculous. I do believe that the most talented players do come from Southern California. I still will hang on to that. Um, Texas and Florida, right there. Ohio, another hotbed. Louisiana, really, really good. Pennsylvania, great um, for for recruiting. But in my opinion, the best players still come out of Southern California. They 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 just they do. Right now, they do. Um, you have an opportunity to dominate the conference every year because. The Pac-12 is consistently cannibalizing itself. It's not to say that the Pac-12 is bad or the Pac-12 is soft or the teams are no good. Um, revenue is down because of the television contract, which is poor to say the least. But uh, you, you, at USC, you have a chance to be a power in the conference every single year, and that's not say, you can't say that in every single stop uh, in other places. I mean, there are there are certainly conferences that are much more topsy turvy in terms of when the teams elevate and, and programs elevate above your above your current program. Some of the detractors from USC, of course, they do have some aging facilities, which we talked about. Um, I wouldn't I don't even know if I would put USC's facilities in the top twenty five in the country anymore. Um, certainly not in the top twenty, which is where exactly where you want to be. Now they're putting money into it. I know they've just spent like fourteen million dollars in some other facilities there on campus and they've got another I think they've got another thirteen or something like that earmarked for facilities that need upgrading, um, they they may need more than that. I mean, Clemson just spent like $66 million uh, a couple years ago, and their facilities are insane. Um, and then, of course, the poor television contract is also going to be a detractor. You don't get on TV all that often. And, uh, you know, at least national meaningful t- television until a new a new uh, contract is, is made up, and it will be made up under George Klyovkov coming up in the next few years. But I still think USC is a top-five job. Number four on my list of the top jobs in college football, Texas. I think the the University of Texas at Austin, they've got huge facilities. The the facilities at Texas are immaculate. I mean, it it is a really, really impressive impressive facility there in Texas. You're in the middle of of a recruiting hotbed, of course, in Austin. You get to recruit Texas kids, and Texas kids are very prideful. They like to stay home. They like to play in Texas. They like to play for the big schools. And it's a beautiful campus there at, uh, at Texas, and they offer a lot. Not to mention, when you're looking at, like, just total revenue, basically, and this is revenue generation over, you know, over the college football landscape in the last three years, okay? Texas is – it's not even close. They are head and shoulders above everybody else. In 2020 alone, the Texas football program created $156 million in revenue. $156 million. Uh, Arizona, I believe, I think Arizona in 2020 was $42 million, I want to say. Texas is $156 million in revenue. Number two on the list in 2020 was Georgia, who made $123 million. Texas made $33 million more than the second-place team. <laughs> they just print money in Austin. They're printing money. Now, they spend a lot of money, okay, uh, you know, 
what, what was the uh, what was the quote? Uh, was it was it Patrick Ewing? I think years ago, and he's like, "Well, the players need to make a lot of money because they spend a lot of money." <laughs> yeah, okay, you're you're right. Texas needs to make a lot of money because they spend a lot of money. But I think it's the fourth best job in America. Number three, Clemson. I know doesn't have a whole lot of rich history. In fact, they have a, a term named after them. It's called Clemsoning, which is basically where you find new and inventive ways to lose football games that you were picked to win. And Clemson had done that for many, many years until Dabo Sweeney got there, brought in that Alabama-type mentality with him, and has been able to keep his staff, for the most part, you know, generally you know, intact during his time and his tenure there at Clemson. And they, without question, folks, I mean, if you, if you want to have some fun, and if you want to see kind of what uh, different facilities look like around the country, just take again, like just Google Clemson football facilities. It is ridiculous. Like I, I can't even begin to tell you like how insane their facilities are. Like they, they have their own miniature golf course for the players, like their own mini golf course. They have a wiffle ball field, like the, the, the crazy stuff. They have the most amazing facilities. It's incredible. I will tell you this. Traveling around the Pac-12, as I have, and I've been, uh, I've been to the facilities at 11 of the, of the stadiums. I've seen the facilities at 11 of them. Uh, have never made the trip to the Rose Bowl because I'm holding out. But I have not seen the facilities at the, other, uh, at the other buildings that I've been to across the country, like when I've been to uh, Sanset in, uh, in Georgia, in Athens, Georgia. I went to Neyland in Tennessee. Did not see the facilities, but I know their facilities are good because they dump a lot of money into them. Clemson, by far, the best facilities in the country. Number two, best head coaching job in college football? I just mentioned them, Georgia. I know Georgia seems pretty high on this list. Number two, best job in the country. Look, they stand behind their coaches. They stuck with Mark Rick for a long time, and he wasn't even a Georgia guy. They spend nobody. And I mean nobody spends more annually on recruiting than Georgia does. They dump so much money into their recruiting base with everything that is marketing, uh, with travel, with everything that they do. Everything revolves around marketing at Georgia or recruiting at Georgia. If you are a, a, you know someone who wants to recruit and you know get the best players, and Georgia often does, nobody is going to back you more than the University of Georgia. They're going to pay you a ton of money. You get to play, folks. I've been to a game at Georgia between the hedges. It is the the most unique experience I've ever had in my life at a college football game. Now, granted, I haven't been to some of the other you know hallowed grounds of, of college football, but I'll tell you this: uh, at Georgia was a tremendous experience. I, I I'll never forget it as long as I live. I think Georgia's second best second best job in the country. It is a remarkable job to have. And number one. I just feel like this brand, the amount of money that they make, their national prominence, it still continues to be, in my opinion, the number one job in America, and that's Ohio State. Yeah, I know that they, the football program doesn't exactly generate as much money as other programs up there. I think they were fifth in 2020 in total revenue, but they're the most profitable, meaning that you know, the, the, the profit margin is the greatest in all of college sports. Their profit margin is, is insane because – it doesn't require them. They don't require a whole lot of money to get to that $124 million that they generate every year. It is a huge national brand. They pay their coaches well. They stand behind their coaches. They don't just fire guys willy-nilly. They give you 
the resources to hire the best possible staff you ha- you can have. The facilities are good, not great. The facilities are good. Um, again, not, not great, but uh, they are really, really good. And, of course, the amount of money that uh, that, that program brings in, national prominence, they're, they've got a, you know, a great television deal, and uh, they play in the Big Ten, and they're constantly you know, competing for, for national championships. I just think that, that Ohio State, when, when given it all, because there's a lot of – here's the other thing, like a little – like an X factor in this. Like the football program, yeah, it's great and stuff, but the fans have other things to keep them busy. Like the marching band, I know as silly as that sound, is a huge draw for people and a huge you know, site of, uh, of, uh, of focus for a lot of people. And there's a lot of other things going around the football program aside from just wins and losses. Now, granted, if you lose football games there, they're going to char you. But nope, not, you know, people just don't you – know, coaches haven't been losing at Ohio State for a long time been a huge winning program and of course have been beating up on their little brother in Michigan for what seems like decades now I know that it's just been recently but Ohio State in my opinion best job in the country uh honorable mentions Alabama I don't know anybody who would want to take that job after Nick Saban that's why I don't put Alabama in the top five uh you couldn't pay me enough to take that job from Nick Saban because the expectations are going to be something you would never be able to meet I like Oregon. Oregon is an honorable mention. LSU, Oklahoma, Florida, Notre Dame. That kind of rounds out my top 10, top 11 jobs in the country there. But, you know, a couple of Pac-12 jobs, and I think USC still is a top five job based on what my criteria is for a, uh, for a top job in the, uh, in the country. You know, Arizona, the uh, Cardinals play Minnesota this Sunday, and you can control the point spread on FanDuel Sportsbook. Yeah. Now, FanDuel is moving the line one point in Arizona's favor for every 250 fans who bet them to cover. It's all part of FanDuel's spread the love promotion. The more bets, the better the spread. And there's no telling how high this can go. Best of all, your odds are whatever the point spread is at kickoff. So whatever that point spread is at kickoff is what the odds that you're going to get. So you don't have to wait to get in on the action. And uh, you can get right in on this. And this is a really cool promotion. This is a lot of fun. Uh, for every 250 fans who bet, they're going to move the line one point in uh, in Arizona's favor. So there's great odds that you can find daily on FanDuel Sportsbook. They have daily boosts. There's parlays. It's super easy to use. You'll get paid out within 24 hours of winning, and it's you know, proven time and time again why it's America's number one sportsbook. It doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel or if you already have an account. Just look for the Spread the Love market to place your bet today exclusively on FanDuel Sportsbook app. And if you're new to FanDuel Sportsbook, be sure to sign up with my promo code DEAN, that's D-E-A-N, to also receive a risk-free bet up to $1,000. Just use my promo code, my last name, DEAN, D-E-A-N, and you'll get all the perks that you're looking for there. 21 and over and present in Arizona must wager in the designated crowdfunding market. Max wager is $50. Payout is at one minus 110. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. If you think you have a gambling problem, call one 800 Step or text Next Step to 53342. More after this on the Jeff Dean Show. It's ESPN Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Here's another factor when looking into what are the best jobs in America for head coaches at the college level. Name, image, and likeness. It's got to be it's got to be discussed now, right? Because if you look at what some of these guys are getting, some of these players are getting, uh, Quinn Ewers 
quarterback that left Texas early, okay, to go enroll at Ohio State, signed a $1.4 million deal. He hasn't even enrolled in school yet. <laughs> like, like, he just, like, I mean, he will enroll. He's going to start going um, in the spring. But he hasn't even enrolled in school yet. $1.4 million NIL deal with, and that's just for signing autographs. It's not like, you know, being in Dorsey for Cash App or, you know, whomever, Venmo or, you know, whatever, all these other companies that are out there doing this. It has nothing to do with his social media influence, which is going to be huge because he's already got, a, you know, I think he's got several hundred thousand followers on his IG account and all this other stuff. But you have to take NIL into account as well. You know, what are some of these kids getting at, at these, at these uh, schools? And I think that USC is going to be up there because you have the L.A. market. Now, granted, the L.A. market is flush with talent, and there's a lot of people there looking to spend money and funnel money to other talented people and endorsees and things like that, spokespersons and whatnot, but there's a lot of money to go around as well. So I think NIL is going to have some influence on you know, the next couple of years, the landscape of, of what are considered the best coaching jobs in America in college football. So um, I think that's something to keep an eye on as well. I think it's, it's a situation where Oregon can start to elevate themselves a little bit too. Their facilities are awesome, and you got Nike, of course, right there. So very interesting. We'll keep an eye on that. But um, also keep an eye on what uh, what USC is doing. I think right now with Dante Williams, they're just going to try to keep their recruiting class intact, see what they can do the rest of the season. Opens up the door for Arizona to get a win, maybe. We'll see. Speaking of Arizona, Jet Fish had a press conference yesterday. We'll talk about that next. It's a quick two-minute turnaround. Stay tuned for hour number two of the Jeff Dean Show right here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. From the Casino Del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. 1490 KFFN AM Tucson, KMXC HD4 Tucson.